welcome everyone to uh, the latest episode of Anime Declassified. Uh, my name is Kara. Uh, today I'm joined by... Hello, I am Miguel. Hey, I'm Rizwan. And I'm Clarissa. And uh, today we have a special treat. Uh, today we're reviewing the movie Bell. It's a, a 2021 anime film directed by the acclaimed Mamoru Hosoda. It uh, produced by Studio Chizu. Um, it's a movie based on Beauty and the Beast, and especially the Disney uh, version of Beauty and the Beast. And it is known for having a 14 minute standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival. So already like just having that reaction uh, from to hear about critics having that sort of reaction to the movie, you have high expectations for it. So I guess let's yeah. just get into it. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it was definitely a, it was a joy to watch in the movie theater. Uh, I was excited to finally see it uh, when I first heard about it and when it was labeled like a different spin on Beauty and the Beast. And already that got me hooked. But uh, visually, it was it was really pretty to watch on a giant screen. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, I wasn't anywhere near a screening of it, unfortunately. Um, but I... Uh... As soon as like it was, I was hearing a lot of buzz based on the screening. So as soon as it was available to watch at home, I jumped on it because Beauty and the Beast, if you know me, is uh, my favorite Disney film or my favorite film period. And Mamoru Hosoda is basically one of my favorite anime directors of all time. So to have that mix of those two elements together, like obviously. I'm going to want to watch that and, and uh, go see it because um, it's basically, yeah, the two things that, in the world that I love, so uh, mixed together. So I really enjoyed that. Um, what were you uh, thinking going into it, Clarissa? You know, I, I had also heard a whole lot about it. Um, I'm a fan of the, uh, I'm a fan of the director. Uh, and... I was really interested just how they uh how they intertwined this fairy tale of Beauty and the Beast along with like the main character Suzu like how they ver they had these these contrasting bits where they're kind of making the same discoveries but in different ways and they just floated very seamlessly between it uh and interwove it and it was really interesting there's a, uh, I like the whole theme of, uh, it brings out the, it bring the, the virtual system bringing out your inner strengths. I thought there were a lot of really good themes that it was working with, uh, to absolute joy to watch visually a feast. Yeah. Oh, what did you think, Riz, uh, going in, uh, what were your preconceived kind of notions and, uh, excitements about going oh. to see the movie for the first time? The first time I heard of the movie was actually when we were recording an earlier episode of Anime Declassified with Miguel, and I think I think Sosa was, was there too. Yeah, um, and Miguel told me about it, and I put it on my list of things I need to watch as soon as I can get a copy to watch it. 
And a couple of months went by and I kind of forgot about it until some friend of mine mentioned, yeah, there's this really cool Beauty and the Beast anime with like a cyberpunk feel to it. And I was just floored that I'd forgotten about the movie, but I was so hyped to go watch it. And I was able to finally watch it earlier today in preparation for uh, our podcast. And I got to say, the hype I had built up for myself was well worth it. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, it was hyped up for me quite a bit, uh, personally, because um, not only was I hearing from friends and, like, colleagues that had seen the movie uh, in theaters, but also, like it or hate it, um, TikTok really pushed this movie into the forefront of a lot of people's minds um, as far as... uh, getting uh traction and hype going for the movie because a lot of people were enjoying the the soundtrack enjoying the songs because it is a musical film it's very much entrenched in the theme of music um and tiktok is a a musical app so obviously that helped kind of push it to the forefront of like this is an anime movie that you should go see like more than any other anime movie because it has all these really cool elements going for it. Um, so yeah, so like social media played a huge role as well for building hype and uh, getting people like me and other people excited. Because um, who doesn't love a, a good uh, musical and a good love story and a good story of like finding yourself and healing and recovering from trauma? Like, seeing that character development on screen is amazing. And, and that yeah, was honestly, love. that was my favorite part about it. Mm-hmm. I just love uh, how all the stories are just like interwoven with each other that they connected really well. Yeah. But, and the parallels between a lot of the characters and like what they're going through. Um, like they were, it, it kind of showed that like, we are all going through a human experience. We're all going through some level of trauma, but uh, how you present it and how you react to it is is going to be different. And like, it was just interesting to see. Like, there's even like minor characters where like a lot of the film is like people trying to find out who is this beast person, like what's going on with them, like what, it, why are they like. The way that they are. Why are they um, just violently attacking people on the, uh, yeah, on the virtual world? Yeah, and so um, obviously, like, there's a witch hunt. Like, who's the beast? And these people like are pulled into question. Like, are you the beast? And you see that they have some level of trauma that would justify them acting that way, but they aren't acting that way. They're they're themselves, you know? So like uh like the good the baseball guy, he had scars, physical and emotional, that he was hiding, but then that pressure brought him forward to say, This is what I went through, this is what this is why hurt I, I me, but stuff. This is yeah. why you don't see me without this on. It's because you know, I don't want people to see these scars, yeah. but I think going forward if the same kids who go through the same stuff i did you know mm-hmm. i want to be the example that you could 
rise above it. Yeah, exactly. And then, and that's why, like, the Beast is so popular with, like, kids is because they see that the Beast is, like, like a superhero on TV. Like, they, they see that the Beast character, well, in the Japanese version, they call him the dragon, um, which is an interesting kind of, like, take, I guess. But, um, yeah, the kids think he's really cool because he's strong and he kind of wears his trauma on his sleeve and the kids find that inspiring. They see that and they're like, wow, like, I, they, this person in the virtual world is going through so much stuff, but they're pushing through it. They're fighting. It may not be productive fighting, but they're fighting. Like, they, they identify with it. I, I, that was also, like, really interesting, like, that dichotomy of, like, here's how the adults are reacting to the beast, and here's how the kids are reacting to the beast and his existence in the virtual world. Um, what do you think, Clarissa? You know, I really, really, um, the visual, uh, aspect, like, the wearing a trauma on your sleeve, that was really, really, um, that pulled me in. You know, it it really struck me because um, of my experience uh, transitioning and everything and the, the, like, being the real you and learning to show that. And then another big thing that really struck me was, was uh, that moment when... Suzu is talking to her friend and she says to him, like, she said now, he doesn't trust you. And like how trust is a huge thing. Like if you if you're going to open up, if you're going to start, if you're going to try to heal, you've got to be able to trust the person you're opening up to. Mm -hmm. And like how that's a necessary part. And it's. I like that it is sort of. We all know how, like, oh, well, a fairy tale can teach us lessons. Well, I like how this is teaching us things about, like, okay, well, these are some of the aspects of healing. These are some of the aspects of dealing with trauma. Like, yeah. this is how, because it really is relatable because it's like, yeah, it has this online aspect. But at the end of the day, you know, in the, in the regular world or whatever, in, in the earth space or whatever, they're just... They're kids going through high school and like getting ready to graduate and going through life and dealing with everything that that, you know, dealing with difficulty communicating either with each other or with their parents or with society or teachers or the system in general. Like, yeah. you know, no wonder everyone wants to be in this fantasy place where you can fly and not just look however you want but say whatever you want and nobody's going to put some kind of part of like a you're not part of like the big expectation you know you're not you're not going to cram school when you're in when you're in the when you're in you yeah um and it's like i like that it is a bit it, you know it is kind of escape but it's also like a place of self-discovery like the whole again the aspect of it shows your inner strength yeah i think you don't know is there that's hidden. yeah i think you is definitely like 
I know Mamoru Hosoda has like played with like the alternate world uh plot device plot location before um as far as like Summer Wars and mm-hmm. the Digimon movie but I feel like this is his best take on it yet because it's so similar to how the internet is right now mm-hmm. um and it's believable on how the people in that world interact, how they escape from the real world by going in there. But, uh, and also, you know, the things that people say, how people interact with each other, like, it's very much futuristic, but also, like, very grounded in, like, this is how, kind of how the internet is, you know? <laughs> um, so I really liked mm-hmm. that. When because, you were like, talking Summer Wars, TikTok. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought of was the little like TikTok thing in the first bit where she's like, oh, my gosh, how did I get all these followers overnight? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's very much like what people are experiencing today and like social media, and, like the Internet and like. I mean, people are escaping to virtual worlds and like VR chat and. Uh, unfortunately. Maybe, I don't know, Metaverse is kind of its own thing. But, like, VR chat, MMOs, like, things of video games. Like, people are already doing that escape. So it's relatable because, like, that's something that people are doing. And it's, like, it definitely feels a lot more relatable than his other attempts, which were with Summer Wars, which is still one of my favorite movies. But the way he handles, like, the virtual space of it is a little bit too fantastical to... Mm -hmm be relatable or like realize that like this is something that like people are interacting with it didn't seem it didn't seem realistic there was like uh a a bit of doubt like a suspension of belief uh but with bell like with the world of you it feels like Mm -hmm. this is the internet (laughs) so it helps you like relate with the characters a, a bit more because you that's just how online space is. Ariza, what did you think? I actually want to bring up a topic of discussion. I think it's interesting to kind of segue off. Mm-hmm. I think I think part of why this is more relatable in the earlier works is because literally we're just now coming to the tail end, knock on wood, of the COVID-19 pandemic where we were stuck at home with no real way to interact with the world around us, except through um, the internet and the virtual things like VR, chat, and the MMOs and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the timing of this movie coming out in 2021 lended itself really well to making it something that we could all relate to very easily. And it wasn't dependent on oh, well, if you already engage in this kind of thing, then this is the movie for you. No, this movie's for anyone now because we've all gone through it. Yeah, that's a very good point. What do y'all I, think? I completely agree. Yeah, it came out, like, uh, earlier this past year in theaters, and that's as, you know, in the midst of everything, like, slowly, like, fully opening back up, you know, with a lot of the restrictions being lifted whether some people agree with that or not but like people are like feeling more kind of secure and then to go out and watch this and then seeing how this movie uh this world of you had like a 
bunch of different users in there. It wasn't just relegated to high schoolers, you know, as we see mm -hmm. later on the church group that she's in, like they had their avatars in that world as well. So it's, it was nice to see like, essentially the uh, digital world, like on a giant screen like that. And, you know, slowly, you know, gathering everyone back up. Oh, it was, uh, it was neat, but, you know, seeing that on the big screen, how we basically had to interact with people for the better part of a year and a half. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, uh, moving on, uh, as far as, like, the plot goes, I felt like the plot was, for the most part, very cohesive. Um, I do think that there was some, like, pacing issues here and there, but for the most part, I was relatively engaged for, like, 100% of the movie. There was, like, not really any moments where I was, like, looking at my watch, like, is this over yet? Are we done? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a slow burner. Yeah, I do feel you on that. I, I was like, hmm, this seems and it's like, yeah, this is definitely like a this is a, a, a tight and well used two hours. I mean, it's but I think a lot of that is also so you can like take in the visuals because the visuals are really, really striking. They yeah, I definitely think that's like one mm -hmm. of its stronger points is like. Mm -hmm. But For me, it would probably be ranked uh, music, visuals, and then plot. Yeah, and that's um, not to say the plot is bad. Mm. It's mm -hmm. just, it does need to use every bit of that early, that like first 30, 45 minutes to kind of establish most of the plot points that it's going to go forward mm -hmm. with. Like, we needed to see some of those things to basically <clears throat> establish how the characters are going to be. You know, we have the kind of protectful, popular sports guy. You know, we have the popular girl. We had to set up the uh, kayak club gentleman. Uh, we had to also set up kind of the, uh, you know, the group that she goes sings with. Like, they had to establish those characters so that when a lot of the films letter events happen, like, We've seen how their interactions with Susu are, so we see why they're willing to help her, you know. So it needed a lot of that early kind of setup to get the latter portions going. Exactly. But see, but see, it wasn't... I wouldn't use the word setup here because it wasn't like a forced let's, let's not flow the plot forward until we have the background set. Like... The plot was there all throughout and it was moving forward, progressing while we were introduced to these different aspects of her life and these different groups that she had, like, you know, interacted with. Right. But you still just can't drop them out of nowhere. Oh, no, exactly. You, yeah. you still have to introduce them. Hence, yeah. setting them yeah. up. It's yeah. not saying, like, you know, this is in the MCU. Oh, we got to have this person dedicate so much. It's like, we still got to introduce these characters. That way, you know, it's not a plot convenience where they pop out of. You know, we had to mm -hmm. yeah. introduce the relationship that she has going back to the church group ladies that way when uh, she's flying out to the place where she finally does see who the person behind the beast is. We know why they're why how she gets there, who she who's taking her there. And we see that that they care for her 
almost like a granddaughter kind of thing because of the relationship they they had with her mother like you still had to kind of get those things going and you have to Mm -hmm. dedicate time to that that way when that happens you're like oh yeah no they're gonna take her yeah yeah they're gonna take her i felt that some of the structure felt a little bit like like a play or like an opera or something um Mm -hmm. you know at the beginning you usually have a bit of front load exposition you know, like, oh, in this in this town where everyone, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, much like in Beauty and the Beast, you know, the beginning part of Beauty and the Beast, we see Belle going through her town saying hello to people. We see what she's interested in books. We see, you know, like how she interacts with the people relationship they have with her and her father and her family. And, you know, we're kind of getting the same thing. Uh, with Suzu, and also f- seeing the world in which it's going to take place. And then, you know, we have our musical moments, uh, our very theatric musical moments, with very deep emotional lyrics. Um, and uh, I feel like maybe, I'm not sure if that was the intent, but it felt like it, and it, I found that when I looked at it that way, um, I, I, when I was looking at it as if it were like a play or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also thought that the, the opening, like, obviously they want to draw the viewer in. So they use like this huge visual feast of music and color and like just grand world. They, before we even int- get introduced to the cast, we get introduced to you because you is the catalyst for all of the events. And I I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that the opening wasn't just like, well, here's our main character. They set up like where the main character is going to live, where they're going to discover themselves, like what this all means, like how it works. Um, while, you know, also drawing the viewer in to, like, something really, really visually pleasing and, uh, musically pleasing. And then we get introduced to who Suzu is, what her family life was like leading up to this traumatic incident with her mother, you know, the things that she and her mother shared and her family shared that, um, she starts to ignore in her daily life because it hurts too much to participate in those aspects of being a family because of the trauma that she has. And, um, and we also get to build up like, these are, these are kind of like how people are online when it comes to like these incidents. Uh, I enjoyed that aspect of it, like opening up, and showing, like, these are kind of, like, some of the nasty comments people made about this woman who gave her life for a child. Like, you know, it kind of seemed like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Like, if she mm-hmm. if she didn't save the kid and was still around for her own kid, people would be like, oh, she's selfish because she didn't go after and save this kid. But they were also saying things like, well, because she saved her kid, now she, that means she abandoned... She, she saved the kid, that means she abandoned her child. Like, I... I liked that they kind of set up, like, this is, like, how discourse is on the internet going into the movie and how 
Suzu kind of views the situation in a way because of that, um, and the, that this is how she's kind of processing the trauma um, of it. Obviously not productively, because mm-hmm. it happened when she was six, and she's 17 when we get introduced to her completely. So I, I thought the opening was great, because it set, mm-hmm. it did it checked all the boxes. It set up the location of where our character is going to be for the majority of the movie, um, who she is, who her family is, like where her, her place in her family was before the traumatic incident. And then the comparison to after the traumatic incident, how she is and how she's kind of interacting with life and kind of like shutting parts of herself away because it's too hurtful. So I, I felt like that checked all the boxes of like, this is where we're going to go from here. Where Where is she going to take herself on this journey of self-discovery and uh, uh, healing from this from the trauma? Um, what did you think, Miguel? Uh, like I said earlier, it's uh, for it was you know two hour long movie and how they use the time right. Like I thought those early establishing moments worked in the film's favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, like nothing else much to say about the beginning except they did that uh, they did that part very well and so once we're introduced to the world and of you and I just can't say enough what a freaking uh, what a visual feast it was to watch that on giant screen yeah. I am certainly envious yeah it like yeah, I, I agree too. Like I straight up was like, dude, I'm buying my ticket for this as soon as I could. Uh, had to wait a little bit after work because I wanted to watch the uh, see the year. <laughs> What's up? The year it came out, I was living in a town in central Texas of about 1,250 people, uh, and there wasn't a single showing of that for like I want to say a hundred miles. Yeah, it was uh it was this past January. Yep. Uh yeah, so I it was one of those uh, fathom events where I'm like, dude, I am gonna pay the fifteen dollars to go watch this. I did not care and you know that like you know, we're talking about uh plot establishment and uh whatnot, but where I was really in on it was just that beginning giant whale going to uh, visual street worlds with the song blasting i was like i don't care how the rest of this movie is just on this opening bit right here like one of the best animated mo- one of the best animated openings in quite a worth while the, worth the price oh, of yeah. admission right yeah that was mm-hmm. worth the price of admission at that moment i and- uh oh go ahead miguel sorry no, go ahead. oh uh, i was gonna say i watched it um in english first um, because, uh, the group I was watching with over Discord, uh, there was somebody in our group that was, uh, they have issues with subtitles. It's, it's their own personal thing. But, like, I was excited to watch the dub because of the hype surrounding it and the, the actress that they got to play, uh, Suzu slash Belle. Um, and then the second time I watched it was today. I watched it in Japanese because I wanted to get that distinction between the English and the Japanese version. And um, I think they did a pretty good job with uh, 
the localization and uh, keeping things pretty much the same in both English and Japanese. They did a really, really good job with that. Um, but the second time I watched it, I watched it on my 4K TV. In 4K, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Like, it's not the same as the cinema, but it's pretty mm-hmm. close. It's, it was so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was glad that I was able to see it at least in a better aspect ratio, better clarity on my nice big <laughs> 4K TV. Um, so that was nice. Um, and yeah, like, uh, I guess going into the uh, localization of this, because the story of this is, of the localization of this movie is really unique, in my opinion. Um, the uh, English voice actress for Belle, uh, Kylie McNeil, she, this was her first uh, of foray into the voice acting world. Um, and they simply hired her because... Her uh, singing voice is basically sounds the same as the Japanese singer, like tonally and uh, uh, in the the clarity of it, like the the tone and the clarity of it sounds exactly like the Japanese version, which is basically unheard of usually in localization. Like they they got like a spot. I was really blown away. Yeah, I was really blown away because after I watched, I watched it in Japanese, um, and then I listened to all of the songs in English after mm-hmm. that, and it was like you said, tonally, and like especially the uh, the beginning songs, like they just the energy is matched so perfectly, the intonations, the inflections, the flourishes, like yeah, but it's still you can still very much hear it's. Her own performance. She's not emulating anything. Yeah, it's you know just she that matches she... the sound, but like she all of that energy, and so like huge shout out to her. Amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing work. I hope she gets more work in like an anime, like musical things in in the future, because mm-hmm. I feel like she has a huge future in that. She's only like nineteen years old. Oh, so wow. she she's yeah, really wow. young. Yeah, and this is her very first you know, uh, big break. <laughs> what what a break! Yeah, and that's <laughs> one of the things I think the people who were looking out for the localization of this really understood that they had to do because mm-hmm. if they couldn't get someone who voiced with the vocals, it could take people out of it. It's you know part of the reasons why I didn't really enjoy the live action Beauty and the Beast because I'm like. Why is everyone out singing Belle? Yeah, exactly. You, I completely agree. Like, when you're, when the focal point of a musical movie, or when music is the focal point of your movie, you need to have someone who can sing in order to kind of get the audience going in there. And yeah, like, I listened to these songs in English after I uh, left the theater because I'm like, dude, the, the music in here is like popping me. And so I went to go listen to it and i put the english one on uh by accident but i'm like who did they get to voice her she's like it almost sounds the same and genuinely it's like great great casting call and yeah. it shows that when they were localizing this they actually did put a lot of care into it because yeah and i mean they completely also re-recorded all of the songs 
Mm-hmm. So it's not like they took the backing from the Japanese song and then put an English voice over it like they would normally do. They actually brought the sound team in and completely recorded, re-recorded everything to like have the mixing be the same, have the timing and everything be the same to like the vocals. So like a, a huge problem with like localizing Japanese music for like anime is they they write really good lyrics, but like the lyrics never quite match the timing of the music. And so the way that they did this is like it sounds so natural and mm-hmm. like it's it's its own song. You don't think that it's like, oh, this is an English version of a Japanese song. It sounds like the way it's supposed to sound. Mm-hmm. So like big kudos to them. Like that's not usually something that happens in localization of like an anime music or musical movie or even like when disney movies are localized in other countries they i don't think they even really go that far so uh, depends on the movie okay i mean i guess we would have to like look into each disney movie to see but it, i mean like it seems pretty like like if it's not with uh the cultures that they're going on there probably not as much but for coco and encanto like well, of course to. they did that for the the Mexican version or yeah the Mexican or Spanish versions of that or like for Moana the Polynesian but like yeah. I guess my point is like they're not like when you're localizing something you're not always going to go that extra mile for exactly. for the music of the film. I'm glad they did because like the music is the plot vehicle that draws you in and like is part of the reason she starts to heal from like the trauma that she went through as a kid is the music. So I'm glad that they went that extra mile for it and the localization. So like the people watching in English, you know, could understand that and appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And what I did you think, was... Riz? <clears throat> oh, go ahead, Clarissa. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I thought it was cool how even in the in the one little bit where they're trying to figure out where uh, the address of the house is where uh, Kay and Tomo are, uh, how their friend is like, oh, I heard the me-. like even in the little like bit of Scooby-Doo detective work, which I thought was fun. I really liked the little mystery and, and clue hunting <laughs> aspect and also and also how that carried over into the scenes where. Bell is going through the castle and everything, mm-hmm. like searching, trying to find things out. Um, I, uh, I just thought that was a that was a very cool little thing, how they put that in there. How it like even even the smallest little detail of music matters mm-hmm. to the plot. Yeah, all the sleuthing at the end to find the address that was really well done. Like so. Most of this week, I've been watching true crime uh, TV shows and documentaries because it's Halloween season, so why not? And uh, <laughs> yeah, so watching them like identify, oh, look at that building in the uh, background of the video. Look at the music playing for the, you know, the news. Those things, it's almost like a true crime like scenario. Like you have to be that good to realize that these kids, you know. They pulled it out somehow, and that was pretty impressive to me. Yeah.
Uh, what else? <laughs> I really like one thing I want to bring up. Um, I really like the design of the characters, like just outside, like being around, like the kids. Like I like how they're drawn. You know, they're very like you know, either they have long faces or short faces, or they're a little tall, or, like, they've got freckles, or, you know, nobody, nobody looks, like, perfect or anything. Just everybody looks very natural and very human, and not, like, a trope or anything. They just, you know, they look like people. Yeah. Man, that's the, that's the thing, is, like, these aren't superheroes or, you know important like you know they're not like significant people in society in that they're politicians or like super rich people or something these are everyday kids and everyday people just living their life it's not like they're trying to call more attention to the fact that the everyday person's just as important as all the other people are yeah mm -hmm. and i think they do a really good job with that yeah, I think the only issue I had with the whole movie as far as, like, character designs and, like, just characterization in general was um, the character Justin and kind of his, like, group of, like, oh, we're the, we're the police of, the self-appointed police of you. Ah, uh, the son of the movie. Yeah, I didn't quite, I felt like... I don't know. I feel like those characters probably could have been left out of the movie. And there probably could have been another plot device for Belle to reveal her identity without involving those characters. It probably would have been a better movie because, um, I don't know. Like, I just felt like that was, like, really flat. Like, there wasn't really a lot of explanation as to, like, why this guy has, like, this green light that, like, unveils people and why he feels like he's justified to be the self-appointed like police officer of like the what's supposed to be is like i guess its own ecosystem that manages itself kind of thing i, um, I thought it worked can, I, can i be honest <laughs> when he showed up i was like oh shoot it's that guy from promare <laughs> i don't know i just took those guys like some of the people on Twitter or, you know, social media who like always try to get. Yeah, no, there canceled. there is the person who's like, I'm the I'm the expert. I know what I'm, I'm the, talking about. Yeah, yeah, oh, I know. Look at what so and so said. Like, I just felt like I'm like, oh, that's yeah, just another one of those guys who scrolls through people's tweets just to find something that's mildly questionable to try to get someone canceled. Yeah, I mean, like, I get I I like, I get the whole unveiling thing is, like, it's very much, like, supposed to be, like, a parallel to, like, well, everybody, when they have an online presence, has a fear of being doxxed, fear of being mm -hmm. swatted, like, that sort of thing. Like, I understand, like, why that exists, but I, maybe I just didn't like the character itself, Justin himself, and that's probably, like, a testament to like how good they did because I thought he was irritating as hell. So, <laughs> um, movie, I forgot he was even there. Yeah, <laughs> like being completely honest, I forgot he was even in the movie after a certain point. Like, I will yeah. admit though, he was kind of the weaker part, and I'm like, yeah, you're not, you're not entertaining like Gaston. 
I don't see you lifting up a whole barn and eating 12 eggs like it's done. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that, yeah, that's probably the weakest part of the film. Like, their designs are a little, like, um... Uh, what's like those like those toys in the nineties that the guys that were like hard workers and they had like the big feet like they're firefighters and like the rescue people the rescue, rescue guys. Heroes. Yes, they, they look like that, and I'm like, yeah. they could have I don't know they could have been a little bit more imaginative on like the the designs of those people. But it's I don't like they were like kind of being like oh American Superman superhero type thing. Yeah. Like, like Homelander or something from the boys or whatever. Maybe not that exactly, but like that kind of that kind of look. Yeah, I just felt like I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't like. It was the parts of the movie that I didn't like the most was like the parts where whatever Justin was on screen and kind of threatening the beast or Belle and, and stuff was like, well, Makes I'm going to unveil you. But mm-hmm. I like a Belle kind of Uda reverse that I was like, well, if. I'm just gonna unveil myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love her energy, especially at the end when she's staring down the dad. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And he keeps trying to intimidate her, and she's just staring at him. And she's like, What are you gonna do? Hit me? Huh? Come on, bring it. Mm-hmm. Tough guy, come on. And she just doesn't say a word. And the way that she follows him with her eyes as he, like, sinks to the ground and backs off and whimpers. Yeah. I think that's, like, a good show of, like, how her character grew. Because she would Mm -hmm. very much avoid eye contact Mm -hmm. and avoid, like, directly standing and talking to people. She would always look away. So, like, Mm -hmm. the fact that she had direct eye contact with him, like, showed that she's ready to stand up for herself and other people people and that she's not afraid anymore mm-hmm. what do you think Grace um yeah I think so overall I was a real big fan of that like to me it was just a well done thing um I don't really have anything else. Y'all have already said pretty much everything I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of something I would want to say, but gosh, y'all already covered everything that would have been good to cover. Yeah. Um, also, that scene where Belle, like, transforms because, like, the little, like, mermaids, the little, like, pixies that are, like, helping the beast... Give her that rose, and she and she transformed like into the pink petal dress. That was so visually nice. That was so beautiful. It was, yeah. I wish I could. I wish I could get ready for a night out like that. Dude, instead of the hairbrush, animation, visuals, like oh my goodness. You know what it slightly reminded me of? Does anyone remember Gankutsuo, that uh, Count of Monte Cristo, like, sci-fi anime? Mm-hmm. Vaguely. I felt like there were some echoes of the Count and his style in The Beast, just a little bit. Yeah. Intentionally, uh, but, like, similar, similar sort of, like, big, tall, monstrous, like, flowing cape. Um, 
very imposing but very like mysterious and like fascinating yeah yeah they kind of they kind of did like a for the beast design i i liked that they showed the bruises like that he was wearing mm-hmm. his bruises out in the open um and I did not notice this until I watched the Japanese version today, and they were t- calling him the dragon instead of the beast. Yeah. Um, and I did not notice this when I first watched it, because I watched it in English, they are just calling him the beast. But he does look very dragon-like. Like they, mm-hmm. He looks like the Disney beast, but instead of it being like a... I think they said it was like a combination of a bear and like a buffalo and like a couple of other things. Mm-hmm. He looks like what they would design with like a traditional like Japanese style kind of dragon. And I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um uh as far as like his design goes. I thought it was interesting that they call him the dragon in the Japanese <laughs> version and he's he's just the beast in uh <laughs> the English uh, localization, which that's probably a lot more familiar for mm-hmm. Uh, Western audiences because they're, of the parallel between the, the Beauty and the Beast fairy mm-hmm. tale. Yeah. yeah. They're probably trying to get more of the uh, Beauty and the Beast feel to it. Yeah. To it than uh, in the Japanese one. But uh, I don't know. I still call them the Beast, even though I saw it in Jap- in uh, subtitled first. I'm like, it's just yeah. easier. It's just easier to say the Beast. I, 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 I don't know why he's called, like, I, he looks like a dragon. And, like, the actual, like, Japanese title is The Dragon and the Freckled Princess. So they just tried to go for something, I guess, a little literal (laughs) for for it. Um, But as far as, like, a Western audience goes, he feels more like the Beast, like the Mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast kind of thing. So I kind of think that the Bell title, the localized title, is a little bit Mm -hmm. better. But that's just my opinion. I get did it and like it worked it worked for me because like you know that's that's the name of the character and like the movie is about her and her story and like yeah what her persona as Belle means to her and kind of represents too like I was just fine with Belle as the title I'd yeah. never, I never yeah. this is the first time I heard the Japanese title yeah. yeah I heard it for the first time last night when I was looking for work I watched it online and I found a place that had Japanese title only, and I was like, what is this? But then I did more Googling, and I was like, oh, okay. So the Japanese don't call it Belle. Got it. (laughs) It's the dragon and the freckled princess. And see, Um, like, I like the reference to the freckled princess. It it just fits well for her, I feel. Yeah. And I like, I kind of like how the dragon's been used here. Um, mainly because it shows, like, the Japanese footprint on this European story kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, like the dragon-like design mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. It's like if they gave the Disney beast a, ja- a dragon head, like Shenron's head. <laughs> That'd be wild. I was just looking forward to the ballroom dancing with this. Oh, like, yeah, oh. that was, was so like, beautiful. I like, love this that Beauty scene. and the Beast. There better be a ballroom dancing. And then when they got to it, I'm like, yes. And again, <laughs> eye porn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every scene was just like, 
so meticulously animated and like planned for you to see what you need to see and for you to feel what you need to feel like i guess the big scenes for me were the opening sequence the mm-hmm. ballroom dance and the scene where she's revealing herself to you and she's singing and everyone becomes inspired and their hearts begin to glow mm-hmm. i felt so fuzzy inside oh, <laughs> that yeah. scene. it was so nice <laughs> Because you could see, I was actively cheering, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I was fist pumping the whole time. Because you could see that she's finally having that self acceptance of herself, and she realizes that everyone else also accepts her as herself Mm -hmm. and who she is, and she doesn't have to be afraid of like being herself or like relying on other people. Like people are going to, people are going to love her and like enjoy her if she's if she's Belle or if she's just Suzu. Uh, I really thought that was powerful. Mm-hmm. That again, I I uh I mentioned it earlier um like in my whole like transition journey uh I know how it feels to finally get that relief cuz you know it can be scary like what's your what are people going to think what are people going to say but like when you get that there are people there who will love you and accept you and be there for you no matter what. Like it's a really amazing feeling. And it was, you know, that's, that's another part of why I love this was because again, the whole relatability of it, like I was able to relate on it on a level that I wasn't even thinking about until I was watching it. And now that I've processed it more, like, especially just hearing what you've said, it's like, Oh man, that really hits home for me. That's really like legit, like deeply impactful when I think back on it. Yeah, and I mean, like it's it's relatable because every person has like a, a self identity crisis, or like they go through days mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't want to look at myself in the mirror. I don't really feel like I'm worthy, or like that I'm I I don't really feel like people love me or like appreciate me. So like to to see that journey of self-acceptance is like really, really powerful because and she didn't really need obviously, you know, her love interest encourages her, but she didn't really need his help to come to that conclusion. She just needed to see that there were people around her that were always there for her and, and loved her for who she was. It was waiting for her to come out of hiding, so to speak. And yeah, that's just, it's a powerful message for anyone, really. I, I, I can imagine that for you as a, as a trans person, it was especially powerful. Well, and another thing was like the whole part about um, the importance of community. Like, I, uh, I, in my notes here, I have them as a combat, the aunties rushing her to the station. Uh, and like just mm-hmm. being there for her and always, you know, hyping her up, like, y- you know, the importance of everybody, you know, having their own, like, I felt like I, I-, I liked how they kind of treated the romance bit as like the icing on the cake and mm-hmm. really was like, nah, the whole, the real the real true treasure of it is watching her grow and accept and love herself 
and I mean, yeah, she gets she she gets a boyfriend in the end. That's that's pretty cool too. But a potential boyfriend. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. really yeah. together together, but they yeah, like each they, other. They leave it, <laughs> they leave it pretty mm-hmm. ambiguous. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, they'll they'll send emojis at each other. Smileys. Justice for yeah. Kay, though. He literally mm-hmm. told her he loved her. And she's just like, thank you. <laughs> right. Well, the thing, it's like the Thanks, kid, you too. This kid is also a bit uh bit younger than her. So Yeah, yeah, he's like fourteen, maybe so yeah, I fourteen, she, fifteen. I think that was more like uh with her and Beast, it was more like a sisterly kind of thing, more than it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. it yeah. felt more platonic. No, yeah, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. this isn't a romantic thing. It's more platonic at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh Not- wait, I was thinking of the 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 uh, the the one dude, Shinobu. I was thinking of Shinobu, not the Beast. I'm basketball star Shinobu. Yeah, basketball yeah. star. Shinobu. <laughs> like when he's like, "Oh man, I'm and now now we can actually hang out, and I don't have to treat you like I'm I'm not your guardian anymore." She blushes like, a, mm-hmm. yeah. it's so cute. Yeah, but yeah, I I do think that like it, the, the the love confession from Kay is really important though because it shows that. He's willing to open himself up to people again and to trust mm-hmm. other people because a lot of the problems was him lashing out because, like, the person that you're that is supposed to love you unconditionally is like treating you like shit. So, of course, you're not really going to trust people outside that bubble mm-hmm. if the per- people inside your bubble aren't supporting you, aren't taking care of you. So just to say, lie. for, for him to pretty... admit that he loves her was like a huge character development. Yeah. I was like, I'm willing to open myself up to other people and experience love. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I got pretty shook up at like any scene in which his dad was in it. Like, ugh. oh, yeah, F that guy. <laughs> they did a really good job of making me pissed mm. at him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like him at all. Which one? But that was the point. You're not supposed to like him. It was him literally. Yeah. I love the fact that he just, like, pissed himself, practically. Or ran away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think because he finally faced, like, wow, mm-hmm. I, like, hurt another kid, like, that's not my kid, like, holy shit. Like, I think he finally faced, like, the reality of the situation, and it's, like, yep. it's also cool because the there's, like, a parallel between Suzu's dad and his dad. Where Suzu's dad still very much cares for Suzu, is always asking after her, like, do you want to have dinner? Do you want to talk? Do you want to hang out? And, like, mm-hmm. Suzu's dad lost his wife. Kay's dad lost his wife. But here's how they're both handling the situation. Um, and how the, the kids mm-hmm. are kind of processing that family trauma. Like, there's so many parallels between, like, different characters and how they're, like, resolving that uh growth that was the best part of it yeah i would say the strongest part easily is just how well done all of the character growth and character drama is done it's all handled very well Mm. like yeah the the abuse scenes are pretty intense uh you know for some people it'll probably be too much i would imagine uh but they do not go too far 
think they did it tastefully. They don't. Mm-hmm, they did. They they yeah, basically they, were like, they this is how scary it can be, but we're not gonna. That's all you need to know is how scary it can be. Yeah, and like a visually, like I liked that the that the the camera is angled like in a way where like whatever the dad was on screen, like for the most part, like when he was about to throw hand throw a punch, like throw hands at his kids. Mm-hmm. It was angled in such a way where it's, like, from the perspective of a small child. So, you know, like, you're looking up at, like, the person. And mm-hmm. it's, like, that's all you really need to know. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's all they really need to show is mm-hmm. the the dad being, for, as far as the dad being abusive is, like, this is how freaking scary it is for a little kid experiencing that. And that's, like, really powerful. Like, they did a good job showing that. Like, and it was very mm-hmm. tasteful. Mm-hmm. What was you guys' favorite song in the whole movie? Honestly, the first time Belle sings for the entire you. Like the opening just, sequence or like the first time in like the like story? Once she once she becomes Belle in story and like she's riding the whale, that was beautiful. Yeah, I'd have to say it's a tie between the final song in the movie where she's part of it is her herself and then the opening like sequence. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm kind really of the same sequence. It it is just too catchy not to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason that they just threw up the whole opening sequence as like a trailer <laughs> to the movie. Mm-hmm. On YouTube, they're like, here, this, you want to watch this movie here? Here's the opening. If this doesn't (laughs) do it, I don't know what will. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. What else? I think we hit, like, pretty much every point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out of things to bring up, I think. I'm just looking forward to the next Mamoru Hosoda movie because he he's so good at making powerful human stories that are also entrenched in fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like really looking forward to seeing what he does next. Yeah. It's uh it'll be great to see what he does next. Um nice to have another anime studio outside of Ghibli to make these movies to get people to watch them to reach a wider audience. Yeah. And yeah, I'm really grateful for uh, Hosoda and, and Shinkai. Hos- I, I, I personally like Hosoda a little bit more as far as storytelling, but like Shinkai is also like really great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I just can't wait to see what uh, he does next because it's, it's going to be great. And I also feel like this movie was snubbed <laughs> for the Oscars. Like it didn't oh, even yeah. get a, it came it out at a it came out at a time where it wasn't going to make that push it would have needed. Yeah, unfortunately. Cause I feel like it was a stronger film than the one film that Hosoda has had nominated, which I would have to like look that up again because I forget, but it's I feel like this mm-hmm. film is a lot stronger than that film, for sure. 
anyway, um, in closing, I would give Bell a nine out of ten. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a nine point five. That's solid. Damn, Riz. I go with nine as well. Same. Hey, I like that movie a lot. <laughs> <laughs> is it your it's favorite really hosted movie? Yes, it actually is now. Yeah, I really like it, but I I still think a Wolf Children is is my favorite. Mm. I think Bill's still better. <laughs> but that's just now, me. Just don't ask <laughs> me what my just don't ask me what my favorite anime movie is. Well, hey, Clarissa, what's your favorite anime movie of all time? Akira. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Some things never change. Nope. Hey, when you see was... Akira when you're seven, it, it makes a big. It does. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, um, I honestly would love to watch this again on the big screen. I would, I would go see this again. I would absolutely like watch this. I would watch this with someone to show it to them. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's that powerful. I, I would watch mm-hmm. it again. I've seen it twice. Yeah. Once oh, yeah, in, I'd watch once in English and one Jap- and once in Japanese, and it's well, and that's what I'm worth it probably gonna do. I'm gonna, I want to rewatch it again in English. That's what I like to do. I'll watch something in Japanese first, and then. Uh, I'll watch it in English and I'll just be like, oh, I can't I want to see how part like uh, how did how did how do they show this emotion? How do they like bring this part of themselves out? Uh, you know, I'm never like, oh, this one's better. or That one's better. It's just like, oh, I, I just want to see the the differences in how they do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. About was uh, Mirai. Oh, yeah. I personally thought Mirai was a very weak film. <laughs> I didn't like, like it very much. I don't think I even saw that one. I didn't even I didn't, see it. I didn't like it very much. I don't know. I, I got what he was trying to do with that, but I just I think there's just some aspects of it that I just didn't really like. The animation, of course, was gorgeous. Like. I, I really like that, and I liked other as I, I liked some aspects of it, but like for the most part, I just thought I thought a lot of the characters were annoying in the <laughs> and the the plot was a little thin for me. But that's just my opinion. Like that's just how I personally felt about it, and like that's like if we want to talk about Mirai in another review, if we haven't reviewed Mirai yet, then I would be happy to watch it again and give my opinion. So. Oh, for hey, sure. What if we just reviewed every Hosoda movie? <laughs> <laughs> we should. We could. I'd be down for it. That sounds like yeah. 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 Sure. As long as we just do the subs of the Digimon movies and don't watch the Abomination that is the English one. I'm sure. I mean, Miguel, there is no English one. You're right. What <laughs> am I thinking of, Miguel? <laughs> that's like telling me. That Death Note had an American adaptation. No, that doesn't exist. It does. It's actually premiering tomorrow on Fox's animation domination in the form of The Simpsons. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Good point, Miguel. Boy, it sounds like something we should watch and review. For sure. (laughs) But yeah. 
All right. In conclusion, we all loved Belle. Um, definitely uh, watch it on HBO Max and Amazon Prime, I believe. Yep, uh, Amazon yep. Prime, you would have to pay a rental fee. Uh, HBO mm-hmm. Max, you need a subscription. Um, just, I th- uh, just know that I believe Clarissa said that Amazon only has the dub. Well, no, there are two. There are two separate rentals. There is a rental for the dubbed English version, and there is a separate rental for the subbed Japanese version. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching it on. Yeah, and on HBO Max, it is only in the English dub. Yeah, but I mean, like, if you're going to watch any anime movie dubbed, I would say this is the one to watch because the localization was, like, spot on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Pretty good. Yeah, either or. I mean, like, whatever floats your boat. But, and, uh, that's it. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening to us ramble about how much we love this movie. Definitely go see it uh, legally if you can. Um, and uh, in closing, we're animated classified. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and um, YouTube today. Thank you. Have a great day.